0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Nothing has quite gelled enough to be headed to the president's desk for signing, but many bills concerning federal agencies and their operations are simmering in Congress. Postal service reform, 10 bills about veterans and veterans affairs, and a couple of key nominations. For the latest, we turn to WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell, let's start with Postal Service reform. This seems to be maybe this is the year it could happen.
2: Maybe it is after many, many years, as you well know, of arguments back and forth about the future of the Postal Service. And of course, former President Trump, not a big fan of the Postal Service. It does seem like we're finally making some progress here. The Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee last week putting out this new bipartisan bill that would do all kinds of reforms related to the Postal Service. But the big one, as uh, you have reported on for many, many years, of course, is the big issue about pre-funding the requirement for Postal Service retirees. Basically, the reform uh, proposed by Senator Gary Peters of Michigan and Republican Rob Portman of Ohio would allow this to be deferred, and it would save close to $50 billion over a decade, which would really do a lot of course, to alleviate a lot of the postal services issues on the financial side. And then there are also reforms uh, related to the day-to-day things. They would still require that the post office deliver mail six days a week, and there would be more reporting to Congress to make it more accountable. These, of course, come on top of the reforms that have been proposed by Postmaster General Lewis DeJoy. A lot of Democrats still don't like some of those proposals, but nonetheless, I think this bipartisan legislation actually does have a chance of getting passed because it it looks like at least 10 Republicans have indicated they would support it. And that's a rare thing these days on Capitol Hill, as you know.
1: Yeah. And the other key provision in there is that future retirees would be going on to Medicare. So the Postal Service itself would not face the $50 billion savings just later on down the line, they'd have to pay it all at some future indeterminate point, maybe.
2: Exactly. And that's a huge part of that whole financial picture, because uh, without that cost, at least on an an annual basis, that really could, uh, at least for the temporary time being, hold off the uh, money woes for the Postal Service.
1: All right. So that has bipartisan support. And mentioned the Senate, and the House has a component there also?
2: The House also has a component. Uh, Some of the details are still being worked out on that, but it does seem like the lead uh, on the Senate side is going to really help because, as you know, everything seems to get backed up on the Senate side. So the fact that we have agreement on the Senate side, I think that the House legislation can be pulled along.
1: And when they can't agree on anything else, there's always Veterans Affairs and Veterans.
2: That's right. Uh, A good bipartisan area, uh, something like uh, infrastructure, right? Although there does seem to be more of an agreement here, whereas infrastructure, as we may touch on later, does not have that. But uh, this is a big package of bipartisan bills that was put out by the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. The House last week passed this package. That in itself is actually an accomplishment because there's been some procedural issues about getting these big packages of bills through the House, but nonetheless, they were able to do that uh, among some of the bills, one that would make uh, more accountability in connection with sexual harassment cases. They would strengthen the oversight of COVID relief money. They would expand health care resources at the VA. And then there's an interesting one involving a case in West Virginia. They're actually going to expand the use of cameras in Veterans Affairs facilities. There was a lot of concern about security and issues about people going in and out of a facility in Clarksburg, West Virginia, where some murders actually took place there. So there was a big push to get cameras and and more accountability related to security issues at these VA
1: facilities. Interesting about the oversight on the spending for the VA stimulus money from the pandemic, because it turns out they've only spent half of it so far.
2: Right. They've, They've still got a pot of money there that they've got to figure out exactly what to do with. They're still trying to basically parse that out and get it out and that, that is true also of a lot of other agencies where there is money and that's been one of the criticisms that uh, republican lawmakers have lodged saying when we're continuing to approve we congress continue to improve approve all of this money that it is not obviously going right into the bloodstream of all these agencies right away so that's a, another issue for the va
1: We're speaking with Mitchell Miller, Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP, and this commission on January 6th seems to be really scrambling up already bad relations since that seem to have been passed on a party line vote. I guess one side wants to skip it. The other side wants to put up scaffolding (laughs) on the front lawn to to hang people. So where's that all headed?
2: Well, it looks like the commission and security funding for the Capitol are both in big trouble in the Senate. Uh, The security measure did pass... uh barely by one vote, actually, and almost was taken down by a group of liberal Democrats who had problems with the funding of Capitol Police. Uh, But then the 9-11 type commission for looking into January 6th, once Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell came out and said he was going to be against it, along with House Minority uh, Leader Kevin McCarthy, that basically gave a safe haven for a lot of Republicans in the Senate who now say that they are not going to support it. In fact, there are only really a handful of Republicans who say they're still looking at it. So once again, for Democrats to get those 10 votes to overcome the filibuster looks very, very difficult related to January 6th. And actually, the funding related to uh, improvements at the Capitol, which would include a huge retractable fence around the Capitol complex, a rapid response team that would be part of the D.C. National Guard. Those uh, elements are also in uh, some trouble in the Senate as uh, Some Republicans say that they've really just rushed this through and that there needs to be a more timely, a lengthier assessment of everything that is needed. So while there were a lot of calls right after January 6th for this bipartisan commission... I just wonder if it's really going to happen at this point, because now there's a lot of talk about whether there'll be a select committee in the House or whether it will just be left to all the House and Senate committees to do their own investigations.
1: And switching gears, any nominations for the administration? I mean, they're down to kind of the second tier positions at this point.
2: Right, we're really down to what is le- the last immediate cabinet level position, and this is really new that it's a cabinet level position. This is the uh, to be the director of the House Office of Science And technology policy. Eric Lander is the nominee, who basically would be President Biden's chief science advisor. This is something the administration wanted to do. The Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. Pushed through his nomination, not with uh, complete unanimity, however. Uh, there were some questions raised by Republicans. One interesting one that was raised by Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn was about the fact that uh, Lander had some interactions with Jeffrey Epstein, the late financier, and, of course, got caught up in with the controversy with all kinds of sexual allegations. But Lander said that he had only met Epstein a couple of times and didn't really have any major interactions with him. I think this was a kind of minor blip in connection with his nom- nomination i do expect it
1: will probably
2: move forward by the full senate
1: gosh that epstein had a way of getting around didn't he
2: (laughs) boy he talked to just about everybody i mean it's amazing how whether it's you know former president bill clinton or all these high level people on the financial side with wall street and politicians uh it's incredible how many fingerprints he got on a lot of different things
1: well just for the record Neither you or I ever met the guy. Never met the guy, no. (laughs) And now I'm glad I didn't. And what about just to get to the stimulus idea, because that is looking like maybe there is some conference going on there.
2: Right. Republicans are still trying to basically get their final proposal to uh, the Biden administration. There were more talks last week with Republicans coming forward. Uh, as you know, President Biden has tried to keep an open door at the White House, getting more of these bipartisan meetings. Whether or not they can really close this gap still remains uh, to be seen. Uh, Republicans are slowly kind of bumping up their proposal from close to $600 billion. They say it may go as high as $800 billion. Of course, that would still be only a fraction of more than 2 trillion dollars that the administration is talking about. The other thing is they're still considering whether it might be parsed out as it traditionally has been into smaller pieces. The White House has indicated that they might be open to that. But uh, there are a lot of congressional Democrats who really just want to say, let's get this through. And they're still keeping that budget reconciliation possibility in their back pocket.
1: And just a final question. I, everywhere I look, there is somebody talking about this new book about the Secret Service. Carol Lenig's new book, Zero Fail. Everywhere I look, there's a review of it. Has any of that reached Capitol Hill that you've heard about people talking about looking at the Secret Service as a congressional concern?
2: Well, they're definitely talking about it. Whether or not they will actually have any type of hearings is still being worked out. But there is a lot of concern about that. I mean, some of the things that she reported on, as you know, were just kind of mind-blowing. The fact that uh, the First of all, the morale in the Secret Service has really dipped in recent years, but uh, more specifically, you know, you had those incidents where uh, people that um, basically had no real plan got over the White House fence and then literally got into the White House. So uh, there's uh, also concerns lingering related to uh, former President Trump and some of the costs incurred related to uh, the Secret Service and his family and the protection. But there's uh, a really concern about from some lawmakers that the Secret Service, Service has, in many respects, lost some of its luster. Now, obviously, there are a lot of incredibly brave and really great people within the Secret Service, but there is worry that a lot of these different issues over the years have sort of tarnished tarnished the uh, uh, service. And, you know, and it kind of reminds me in a different respect, although they have two very different roles, of what's happened with the Capitol Police, that uh, there was some concern about whether the Capitol Police may have been involved in somehow letting some of these demonstrators through on the January 6th. The morale, frankly, within the Capitol Police has also dropped quite a bit. And then, of course, you have the arguments back and forth about exactly what should be done to bolster the department so these are two law enforcement agencies that are really uh, undergoing a lot of tumult right now.
1: Mitchell Miller is Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. As always, thanks so much. You bet. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows.
3: Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama Administration. And he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a B.S. from the University of South Carolina and an M.P.A. from Harvard University. Rick, welcome and thanks so much for joining me.
0: And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation.
3: Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style?
0: uh, in America, and certainly within me, uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, uh, in in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward.
3: <laughs> Perfect.
0: that I have uh, my willingness to to fight for change, and that was that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, the, the the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. A very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life, and and it conjured up again these issues of how deep the divide. In terms of race in america is and but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh to help close that divide so there have been so many defining moments uh uh, in my career i i will tell you even uh after the murder of george floyd and my role at the u.s chamber of commerce uh to galvanize the business community uh inspired by that tragedy
3: It's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality
0: did you admire about them? You know, again, I can't say that I had had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who whose historical leadership has inspired me the most. And that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So that the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges, it's seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that that attribute, I think, is one that that I embody. I mean, I, I I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King.
3: Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background in federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. um, What comes to mind there?
0: Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet, or snow.
3: And thank you very much for sharing that with us today.
0: But well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.
3: I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care.